Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the Kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back to Kingdom Conversations. Um, Tonight we are in part two of one of the most heartfelt, vulnerable, beautiful testimonies of a little girl named Rory and a family. Josh and Melissa Page are here um, to talk about their story. And so we're going to just summarize a little bit and talk about um, what we covered in our first podcast. So um, Josh, tell us a little bit about you as a couple and um, Rory and the delivery, and then we'll go ahead and pick up from there. Yeah, my my wife, Melissa, and I, we've been married for coming up on nine years. Mm-hmm. And we um, when, when our seven-year-old now, when he t- turned one, we had found out we were pregnant. We were super excited. And that journey turned into a really hard journey because we learned about five months in that our baby, our little girl, um, had trisomy 18. So it involved brain issues, heart issues, and other things. And doctors really gave us no hope. And our prayers were for survival. And then it turned into praying that God would heal her. And God brought us into like the lowest place, met us there, and built up our faith, built up our prayer life. And then we came to the point where at 41 weeks in the day, um, her, her heart had stopped. And we, she, my wife gave birth to this beautiful little girl that had no life in her. And we held her in our arms and we wept and we sang, we sang worship to the Lord. God gave us grace to be able to sing. Looking back on it, it's just amazing. And then after holding her for the rest of the day, we had to put her on, in a basket and you know that the hospital provided and, and leave the hospital mm-hmm. without her and go home to an empty nursery and unanswered prayer, it seemed like. Yeah. And that, that's a, a recap of yeah. where we are up to this point. Yeah, and that is, you're able to share that in two minutes, but that was how many months and yeah. days and hours of your life. And so when we left off, we were talking about, Melissa, you were sharing the anger that comes in grief. So talk a little bit about that and what that looked like. How long did you do you feel like you sat in that season of just numbness? And So I think that it came in waves. I think that it was a combination of a bunch of different emotions, hurt, um, anger, confusion. And it was just like these constant rolling hills for the four years that we walked through um, this trial. Um, And I know the Lord was working things out. I wasn't sure what it was or why. Um, We, you know, eventually found out for me, you know, what it was. But yeah, I think for the whole four years, um, it was just these constant rolling hills of just anger and and nothing that would make me want to walk away from the Lord and I and I felt like I would sometimes not that but I felt him holding on to me mm. like it, I think of Psalm 139 like where can I go from your mm. presence or flee from your spirit and I that is such a true promise because you can't even if you're a child of God if you try to run from him you can't go anywhere apart from he's literally taking hold of you um so it was just this anger where I wanted to push him away, but he would say no. And she also didn't want to get swallowed by a big fish. Like <laughs> yes. Jonah. So. That too. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Yeah. 
So in that in that process, how long did that go on for? Well, it was four years. Four years. But the reason why it was four years is Rory, you know, this is Rory's story mm-hmm. for God's glory. Um, she was the, our first child lost, mm-hmm. and, and she was our first. She was our our, our only um, stillborn child. But we would go on to sit in this room where you do the ultrasound and you get your great news and you get to see images of the baby. We would go on to sit in this room another six times. And in these six times, at various stages in the pregnancy, would learn that there's no heartbeat. And so in in total, in, in the course of about four years, we lost seven babies. That is a lot. That is a lot of grief and a lot of pain to walk through. Was it um, was it scary to get pregnant and see that test go positive? It was. It was. We were, every positive pregnancy test we got was, we were happy, but almost instantly this just gloom came across our face and we would just ask the Lord, please let this baby survive. Please let this baby be healthy. Um, so yeah, there was some sort of, you know, just hesitancy, yeah. but mm-hmm. also joy. Yes. We were nervous. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then the, the, um, the babies, and I just think when you get to heaven, you know, know. and we we're get to be reading them. Yeah. Big family. I wonder if they have minivans up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly minivans. Yeah. You're going to need, yeah. Um, I'm wondering, so when you're walking through that, you were telling me in, before we started, uh, recording about that last one. Talk a little bit about that to us. Well, that one... Um, Melissa had been extremely sick the, f- the whole first trimester. She was always having the, the morning sickness, except it was all-day sickness. Mm-hmm. And in that one, the doctors were extremely hopeful and, like, almost surprisingly, like, they, they would say, this, you guys, this is it. This is a... Yeah, this is a very healthy baby. They knew our history, um, and so they were watching very carefully. She was considered high-risk, obviously. And... Um, we had made it all the, all the way through the first trimester and into the second trimester, and there was not even one time where there was an indication of anything bad. And about, I think maybe five or six months, maybe it was five months into the pregnancy, um, we had gone in. In fact, we brought Simon, who at that time was probably like three, two and a half, three, yeah. with us to the appointment because, again, there's nothing to fear now. Like This is a great baby. And in that ultrasound, which is probably the one that will stick with us the most, um, they searched forever and they could not find a heartbeat. And our hearts just sank and sank and sank as we watched them. And they, she wouldn't tell us. And we would say things like, shouldn't you have found it by now? And she said, oh, just hang on. I'm just Mm -hmm. looking and come to find out, you know, our baby had died. And we did some testing and uh, we found out some other things that helped mm-hmm. answer some questions for us, but we also found out through the doctors that this was an umbilical cord accident, oh. and this is what and this is a little boy, and this is what caused him to die. So that that right there, even though Rory was harder because you know we carried her through yeah. right the full you know pregnancy and physical birth, and physical birth yeah. right. Um, yeah, this one was hard because of just the hope that was there yes. and the fact that it wasn't, um, you know, a miscarriage. In the, I mean, they're all devastating, but it wasn't early on in the pregnancy. Right. And it was something other than um, like a genetic yes. thing. It was right. an umbilical cord accident that 
that broke us. I mean, yeah. that just shattered us. Yeah, at that point, it was like, this is just like a game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can only imagine, and I'm I, for when you were just telling that part of the story, I'm just imagining, um, and for any mom who's listening tonight, what that's like when you are in a room and you hear that swishing of the heartbeat and yes. you're waiting, especially when you have a past where you've lost a child. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's devastating. So um, that was a... a that was about a four-year process then from Rory until the last one. How did Simon do in this process? Simon was, talk about childlike faith. He was, like I was saying before, our little rock. Yeah. Whenever, I mean, I, I almost feel bad that he had to walk through that with us because I would just be driving and I would just start crying. And he knew what it was about. I wouldn't have to say what it was. And he would say things like, Mommy, why are you sad? The baby's in heaven with Jesus. Oh. Just little things like a little kid would say, right? Yeah. And it would just, you're right. And I would just yeah. bawl even more. And just he would, you know, build, consistently build us up like that, pointing us to Jesus over and over again. And pray for us. And he would pray always for pray us. for us. So yeah, yeah, He would come up and give us hugs and just comfort us we never really had to comfort him no that's the amazing part about it i mean he never ever said like i mean he expressed yeah i'm sad that the baby's gone but the baby's with jesus like and and, and he actually got to hold rory Mm -hmm. Um, he did he did so that was an interesting experience you know and and he still talks about it today he still remembers he to him this is really a story that he's very much a part of yes it's not like oh that was so long ago i really don't remember he's very um, aware and remember, remembers what we went through as a family. Yeah, and wow, because he must have been just under two, right? When she was born, yeah, he, he was just under yeah. two. Wow. And then this continued on for another couple of years. So, you know, from like one to four, four and a half, something like that. I have no idea why I'm going to ask this, but the Lord just brought this to mind. When you were singing worship and praises, do you remember what you were singing? Yes. It's the song... Um, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's Great is your faithfulness Great is your faithfulness You never change You never fail, O oh God And then it says True are your promises True are your promises You never change You never fail, O oh God and There's a bridge and it says You were, you are, you will always be and that was a uh, that was like something we would put our our tents like we would uh, anchor ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a, a an anchor for us to build our our hope and our life around because we don't understand why this is happening. It doesn't make any sense. But you were, you are, and you will always be. And it's your faithfulness is great. Your promises are true. So that was the song that we sang both the night that. Um, the, the, the night we found out that we had lost Rory and as we were holding her the very next day. Mm-hmm. I'm just so moved. I'm having a hard time. Like I'm just sitting here and I'm imagining as parents walking through the absolute worst grief. But I think of that verse, is it in Isaiah where it says that um, it rains on the just and the unjust and it's these hard things and these, we it's that you're trusting God in the midst of that. And then I think of Simon. He got yeah. to be there and be a part of that. Oh my goodness. So, um, so after you lost your son, you were, how many weeks were you approximately? We were, it was four or five months. I can't remember the exact yeah. timeline, but we were into our second, second trimester. So around, around that time. Yeah. Um, and, and this was, um, 
this was in the fall. This was actually October 31st, so Halloween, ah. of 2019 okay. is when this took place. Mm-hmm. And so from that day until January, so those next three months was very dark. And yeah. um, in that time, Melissa went into a very deep depression. Yeah. Being, Sorry, go ahead. Well, just being the mom, you know, yeah. carrying these babies, and this is like the final straw. Yeah. I remember when we were there after the ultrasound, I stormed out of the back door of the yeah. office, left Josh and Simon there. She was big and pregnant. I was big and pregnant, just sobbing. I'm sure I, like, threw every patient walking those halls sideways, just like, what is going on? And I walked all the way home. I don't know how far of a walk that was. Several miles. I had wow. it out with God that walk. I, I mean... Yeah. We talk about, oh yeah, I had faith here, I had faith there, and it sounds nice, but I, it was really like a wrestling match with God that whole walk home. And I probably looked like a crazy person because I was literally like yelling, yes. raising my hands up, like what is, and people in their cars were probably like, what is this crazy woman doing? But I, 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 I was done. I had it. I was angry. I was confused. I was her. Um, but yeah, so I had it, we, you know, we had it out. Walking all the way home, I and then like Josh said, the next three months or however long it was was a very dark time for me. Um, we didn't really talk much about it, and when we did, it would we wouldn't go into any good direction. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, you know, it was hard for me too, and I was depressed too, but I really felt so strongly that God was in it, and that it didn't make any sense to me, and I was upset with God, but I know He's doing something through mm-hmm. this, but I couldn't convince her of that because at this point. It's like, you know, this is just a, a cruel game. Yeah. And um, so no scriptures, nothing that I would say to her would really help. And then we we're just both hurting. Yes. And sometimes, you, you know, you do and, more harm. And he would give me, you know, he'd feed me scripture and, and pray with me. And I would kind of give him that shoulder. And so for the husbands that do that and get that cold shoulder from a wife going through a hard time, it is received. It just doesn't sometimes look like that because mm. I would be like, I don't want to hear it right now, but it would warm my heart and it would yeah. be that thing that I needed to kind of stay, you know, in that place of the Lord. So that was, I mean, that was everything in those moments. And in that dark period, those three or four months, um, I had a, my prayer life kind of lit on fire again and my prayer became for her. And I remember, I remember very, very clearly that many, many of those nights, late into the night after they had gone to bed, her and, and Simon, I would I would pray for her. And I remember just wow. specifically the story of the, the two um, on the road to Emmaus that Jesus met. Mm-hmm. They were discouraged. They were weary because their hope had been killed. And Jesus, not, not showing them who he was, um, showed them from the word that he is the Messiah, that he must suffer. And then he opened their eyes and they were filled with hope and joy. And my prayer was that God would just meet her on her road of suffering. And in that, he would show, open the word to her, set her heart on fire with the word, and he would reveal himself and that she would be encouraged. Mm-hmm. But nothing was happening. And, um, but I, I just, I really felt that God was going to do something. And then in January of 2020, which was the year of COVID, the year that all, yeah. the whole world <laughs> shut down, um, for us, it was the best year ever. Because in January, one Saturday morning, I was in the kitchen sweeping. And I remember that because I don't ever sweep. <laughs> no, I do. And I was sweeping in the kitchen cleaning. And she came in, and she was crying, tears in her eyes. And she just shared that she had spent some time in the Word um, in, the, in a different room, and that God had just basically met her. Oh. And I'll, you can share 
So yeah, during during that the dark season, every time I would get in my quiet time in the morning, you know, the Lord would be chiseling certain things away, and I knew He was doing something. I didn't understand what it was, um, and it was the the thing that Josh is talking about. Right before that, we had gone to your grandparents' house. We love mm-hmm. his grandparents; they're the, they're the best. Mm-hmm. And his grandpa, a very godly man, has a whole um, bookcase of books. And I and Josh knows the only book I read is the Bible. I'm not a big reader. I, sh- I wish I was, but I read a third of a book and then I put it down, and that's about it. So anyway, I found this book in his bookcase. It was called Knowing God. It was by J.I. Packer, and I mm-hmm. literally only read the first few chapters in true Melissa fashion. <laughs> but the Lord used that book just to reveal his character to me again. Mm-hmm. I needed that. Yeah. Um, and just he showed me himself in that. And then, of course, through his word, obviously, is the main source. And it, it was uh, when we got back, I had some quiet time, and I was in the word. And I can't even remember where I was in the Bible, but the Lord just broke me so hard in that moment. Um, and in an instant, I knew, like, I'm so sorry. In the beginning of this trial, I thought I was this faith-filled person. Um, and I didn't think of myself that in the moment. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't see myself that way. But going through the trial, looking back, I'm like, wow, I really thought I was somebody that I wasn't. I really don't have much faith at all. And that's what you were trying to get out of me, bring out of me. Um, and, and I think you just built that up within me. And he met me right there, and I just started crying and... It just yeah. started unfolding. And, and that's what trials are for. They, they show you the genuineness of your faith. But and that verse just took on a whole new meaning when you hear it with Melissa's story, the genuineness of your yes, faith. Yes, yes. And two weeks later, we um, met together at a coffee shop on both of our lunch breaks, and we were just talking about how God had really encouraged us. And she said, I've been feeling kind of sick lately. I kid you not. And he we said, walked. He said, did you take a test? And I said, no, and I will not. Like, I was I was scared. Um, and but so, we did. We walked across the street to the CVS from the coffee shop we were at. She took a test in this most rundown, terrible bathroom. <laughs> and, it's an ongoing joke with us. It was horrible. And that was a positive test. And... Of course, it was COVID year, and so mm-hmm. I couldn't even go through to many of the appointments. And we had to go to a high-risk doctor, of course, at yeah. first. And when I remember walking up to the office, and they said, um, I'm sorry, he can't go with you. And I, I was oh. like, no, no, he has to go with me. Like, I can't go in there by myself. I literally cannot do it. And, you know, and I, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it was scary every time. But, you know, the Lord was with me. And yeah. So you found out you were pregnant in January? Mm-hmm. February? Yeah. January. January. Two weeks after that encounter yeah. with, that she had with the Lord. And it was that, oh, enco- wow. that encounter, too, um, yeah. it was... It was, I was in such a, the Lord had brought me into such a place where I said, okay, if we got pregnant again, I wouldn't, it was, it's not like I would not be hurt if we lost the baby, but I would be okay if that makes sense. I would, I I would trust you in it. Um, It was just like something just blossomed within me. That is an amazing, so what I just heard you say was in the previous pregnancies, there was this hope for wellness of the baby. And in this particular pregnancy, there was total surrender. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. that was perfectly said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That to me, that, that really does. Well, I, I, I keep going back to the Lord keeps moving my heart with that. What is that verse that talks about the testing that shows the... First Peter, I think chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he writes that because they are suffering. He writes that, you know, the, um, these have come so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be revealed and basically that you yeah. would know him better. 
Yeah. And and um, he commends them for having loved the Lord, um, you know, in the midst of all their trials. So I just recently was asked a question, and and it's a gal that is thinking about knowing the Lord, and she was saying, but how, why does God allow bad things to happen? And so there's a, so much more to that unpacking that particular question but when you walk through hard things and you are a believer it's trusting God how do you when you think of all of the babies that God has given you and you've had many Mm -hmm. that you've walked through how do you reconcile that with a loving God with the loss put those two things together it's a hard question I know and I probably am going to butcher the answer but I have it in my head it just doesn't come out verbally well um I, I don't think that in the moment when you're in it, it feels kind of cruel. Like Josh said, at some points, it felt just like this cruel game that was being played. Um, you know, as a believer, we know that's not the case. It just kind of, the enemy will trick you into thinking yes, things like that. Yeah. Um, but God, I, I know God loves us so much that if it means bringing us through these extremely excruciating trials just to reveal something that we aren't seeing just to bring us closer to him to make us more like him he'll do it because his love is so you know immense and he loves us so much that he he'll do that for us and it doesn't it's kind of like a a parent child situation like um if you can think of a good example like if simon wanted to eat all of his halloween candy in one night and we're like no this is not good he's gonna kick and scream he's not gonna like that but we love him so much that we're not gonna let him do something so horrible to himself something like that yeah Yeah, i would i would just join a meeting he would Um, (laughs) but you know also you know you see throughout scripture that God, he specifically puts people, his his people, in tough things. Like Paul mm. said to the Philippians, I want you to know that I, I was put here for the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he mentions, you know, through this, people are hearing about Jesus in this prison. Mm-hmm. Believers outside the prison are being encouraged to speak the word of God more boldly like they should. So it really is God, he, he is sovereign, and he yes. does put us in tough places. And Jesus promised in this world you will face tribulation. Yeah. But take heart, I've, I've overcome the world. Yes. So I guess as Americans in this comfortable mm-hmm. world that we live in, it's just very different from the rest of the world, from a lot of the world. Yeah. Um, we're so used to everything going our way that when suffering comes, it's like, what is this? Yeah. But that's actually very normal Christianity. And we don't like it, but that's where God does some of his finest work, yes. chiseling us and refining us and, and making us more like his son, which is also our joy. That is ultimate joy. Yeah. I think uh, sitting here with you both tonight, one of my moments was hearing Melissa's story of um, walking through that dark place and then how you prayed for her, Josh, faithfully, and that it was in that moment that God broke through. Like, But she had to sit there for a little while. Waiting is so hard, isn't it, when we're hurting or the people we love are hurting? Um, And so before, because I'm going to close by asking you, we have people that are probably listening to this podcast that are walking through hard things, and I want you to speak encouragement out of your experience. But before you do that, can you tell us about the babies born after 2020 or during 2020? (laughs) Yes. So, you know, that that, um, pregnancy was healthy and great, and, and there was never an issue. And to our amazing delight, our little boy Samuel was born <laughs> in September of, of 2020. And he's a crazy, crazy, crazy energetic <laughs> boy. Is he a, is he like Simon? No. Different? They are Com- complete. Op- 
they have some similarities, but they are complete opposite. Simon is very um, intentional and kind of to himself, very crafty. Sam is a bulldozer, and he'll run <laughs> through the room and just will tackle you, and he's just wild to the core. Yeah. Um, which one is like which of you? Simon is more like... Well, I think they both have... A little bit of it's both. funny because I think I think as far as looks, Simon looks like Josh, but I think he's more like me, where he's more introverted. Mm. I mean, he can be social, but he's more introverted. And then Sam, although he looks more like me, I would say he's definitely more like Josh, where he's outgoing and is not afraid to go up to a kid, you know, five times his size and yeah. just like stand yeah. at his feet and it's look awesome. up. Like it's yeah. just that's how they are. Yep. Yeah. And then after that, <laughs> we about maybe a year later or less, we found out we were pregnant again. And once again, the pregnancy was was really good. Yeah. And um, this one, we didn't find out the gender. So that was the only pregnancy that we didn't um, find out the gender during the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so on the day that this baby was born, which was um, uh, September of this year. July. Oh, July. Well, I, was thinking, I was thinking, oh, wow. I'm terrible. You're not going to live that down, July, 20, July 28th of this year. Um, Two days after your birthday. Yeah, exactly. It, is. Um, it was a little girl that was born, Olivia. Oh, Olivia. And she's so sweet. She's four months old now. And um, she's very calm, and she she brings a good balance among yes. the kids. Wow. She's. I was praying for a little baby to be a peacemaker, and I believe that's what she's going to be, is just the peacemaker between... So amazing. Melissa, when you got pregnant with Olivia, did any of the fear come back or did you have that same steadfastness that, Lord, I just trust you with this? At this point, it was the same steadfastness where the Lord just kept me in that place. He was just waiting for that moment of surrender, which I believe happened that morning that we Mm -hmm. talked about. And from that moving forward, it was just this, you know, this complete surrender where I had this peace, where I just trusted him completely. And I said, if you decide to take this child for me, it's for a reason and it's for a purpose. And if I can keep this child, you know, praise God, you mm-hmm. know. That I will never, as long as I live, look at First Peter the same. Like that verse is just penetrating my heart tonight that God has such purpose in that. So as we get ready to close out, um, somebody's sitting here tonight and they, there's two types of people in the audience. There's people that are walking through hardship. And I think your story alone just probably is a huge encouragement. But maybe there's somebody who's, they're not walking through a hard thing, but they're not sure about God. And so what would you say to the audience that's listening tonight that you have learned through this journey to encourage their hearts in the things of God? Well, God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And that's not just a verse that you read from Psalm 46, but it's truth. And you experience that when you're in a hard time, when you're in a pit. Um, we One of the verses that we kind of like found as an anchor was Psalm 18, verse 30, which says, This God, His way is perfect. He is a shield for those who take refuge in Him. And we couldn't make sense of things. And a lot of times you get a diagnosis of cancer, you get in an accident, or your family is in an accident, and you can't make sense of that. It doesn't, why, why God? You might not know the answer for a very long time or maybe never. It'll just never make sense. But what you can make sense of is that God's way is perfect. Yeah. And that he is a shield. He, he, you take refuge in him and he will care for you. We felt like we were clinging to the Lord desperately, but we learned and we could feel it too, that he was holding on to us. Yeah. And Psalm 63.8 says that um, David said, You're, or, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. 
and other psalms say that God daily bears us up. Mm. So I think that would be the biggest thing is that God is very present in times of trouble, and he does some of his finest work in that place, and he sustains you, and you don't need to know all the answers, and you don't, you, you aren't um, owed the answers either. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me a lot of when you were sharing, Melissa, about being in the nursery in that place of grief, and you said, even though I felt like I wanted to run, I could feel God holding mm-hmm. on to me. Um, I don't normally do this, but the Lord is just putting it on my heart. What would you say to somebody listening tonight who has never asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life? What does that look like? Yeah, well, you know, God is our our creator. And so everyone is running after happiness and fulfillment, but they run in all the wrong places. And so they come up empty. And that's why the money doesn't satisfy the career, the pleasure. It just doesn't ever satisfy. And God created us so that we would know him and enjoy him and have a relationship with him here and then be with him physically in heaven forevermore. But the problem with the, that stops this from happening is, is our own sin, our own rebellion. And when a person begins to recognize that they have sinned against God, that they're not good like they think they're good, that they've actually offended God and that uh, God is so merciful to just give them more time the be- most beautiful thing is to discover that God went on a rescue mission for you. Whether you're hurting or not, God went on a rescue mission for you to save you from your sins. He sent his son Jesus. He was lived this perfect life in your place and took his own perfect life, laid it down as a perfect payment for your sin. And on that cross he died and three days later he rose from the dead. And when you put your trust in him, not in your good works or being religious or um, being really smart, Instead, you put your trust in the finished work of Jesus, then you'll experience God's forgiveness and mercy, and you'll have a relationship with him. So, so I'm so grateful, first of all, for that myself. But as I listen to your story, I think I cannot even imagine walking through what you've walked through without the hope of Christ, the hope of heaven. Melissa, is there anything you'd like to close with? So for those women who, and I'm going back to the pregnancy thing because that's what I know. I remember a couple had reached out to Josh and I during that um, that time and they had something similar going on with their little, it was a little boy, um, and asked us because they would watch on Facebook the post that Josh was putting out, like, should we should we carry our baby to them? They weren't believers. They didn't understand why we were doing what we were doing because they were considering abortion. Um, and we don't actually, I don't know if you ever remember what happened to them because we kind of lost contact with them. Um, we encouraged them to carry their child through the end and God would meet them. We would pray for them often. Um, but for me, carrying Rory through the whole, you know, 40 weeks, even though the doctors, almost at every appointment it seemed, they would push abortion. Um, you know, this isn't going anywhere. You always have option B type of thing. I, every single day spent with my daughter, in my womb, feeling her kicks, her hiccups, even though there was a possibility of, you know, I don't know how long I'll have her, even though we were hoping that she would, you know, be alive and live her life with us here. Um, I don't regret not one single day looking back. I would carry her all over again. Um, Every day was precious. So if there's anyone listening that isn't a similar experience with this particular issue, I would say carry your baby through like it's a life and it's precious and I I don't regret one single day
Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing this story. If you um, are listening and you are walking through hardship, please reach out to us right here at Faith Covenant Church. You can call the office. You can um, email me at mArnold@fccstpete.com. We care. And we want to make sure that you are not walking alone. And if you prayed the prayer, or if you want to learn more about what it means to give your life fully to God, to turn away from this world and turn to the hope that only God can offer, reach out to us. You are um, loved and wanted, and we want to walk with you. I pray that every person listening, that you were so blessed by this beautiful testimony of God's faithfulness, even in the hardest of things. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.